Welcome to MuggleCast, your weekly ride into the Wizarding World. This is episode 447. It is also our final ride into the Wizarding World for the decade. And this episode will feature our Decade in Review. We have been around for 15 years, and we're going to go through all of the big events that have occurred in the Harry Potter fandom over the past decade. It began with the final two Harry Potter movies, and it ended with the first two Fantastic Beast movies. So we're going to talk about those things and everything in between. Before we get to that, because it is the holidays, we just wanted to briefly mention our holiday giveaway. Everybody's been getting their prizes after we posted that giveaway on Twitter, right, Micah? Everybody has been uh, receiving their gifts, and we encourage those who want to post to social media. Uh, One of our listeners who won the Cards Against Muggles uh, posted a photo saying it was the best gift she ever received. (laughs) And speaking of gifts, over in our patron Facebook group, they hosted their own Secret Santa, right, Eric? That's right. Yeah, over 100 people participated this year worldwide in our MuggleCast patrons Secret Santa. I want to thank, as always, Brittany for putting it together, kind of seeing over things uh, over on Elfster, and of course, everybody who participated. I got paired up. Uh, who else is participating? Micah, you're participating this year? I, I am participating. I didn't. I'm a Scrooge. I'm sorry. <laughs> but you did it last year, right, Andrew? I don't think so. No, I'm I'm bad. Oh, sorry. Oh, I was wow. going to say I took your place, but never mind. Mm. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so it's it's a great opportunity and, uh, you know, happy holidays uh, to everyone. Really, really happy to have participated in just a fun little thing among uh, among some of our patrons. So let's dive into our decade in review. And we're going to kick things off by going all the way back in time to June 18th. 2010. (laughs) The Wizarding World of Harry Potter opened in Orlando. It had actually been announced back in 2007, I believe, and it was a big deal. They had this midnight reveal from Leavesden Studios, and it really changed the game in terms of theme park competition. Because following the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, following this immersive, incredibly detailed experience for diehard Harry Potter fans, theme parks, namely Disney and Universal, realized that they really need to give people a very authentic experience. And then Disney followed up with things like New Fantasyland, and they built Bell's Castle and the Dining Hall, and they built Avatar Land, and just very recently, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. It really changed the game. Yeah, and I think a lot of this, uh, with this particular news story, we owe the credit to J.K. Rowling. Like, she was very involved at the beginning of this decade in the, obviously, in the launching of the theme park initially. I just remember going to, I think it was a theme park preview in March of that year. We all wore, like, hard hats and did a food tasting. And basically what they said was, like, J.K. Rowling was adamant that there not be soda like unhealthy soda and and basically this what what was then the standard theme park fare of food in the Harry Potter theme park. She wanted right. not just authentic British cuisine, but but like good healthy stuff for you, healthy hearty food. And she really upped 
the food game and the theme parks. Now, if you go to Avatar Land, you can get stir fry. And it wasn't just about health, though. She just didn't want Pepsi labels in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Yeah. It just didn't jive well. I don't blame her. Yeah, but I mean, I, I was just at uh, Universal when we were in, in, in Orlando, and the Jurassic Park right next to Hogwarts still has like $8 slices of pizza. And the pizza's like small. And I'm just yeah, like... Yeah, it's like tacky stuff. It's insane. Mm-hmm. And I like Hogwarts... No wonder there's still a wait for three broomsticks. Well, that's that's authentic to Jurassic Park, though. If you go to the real Jurassic Park, you will find oh. slices of pizza available, and you can feed them to the dinosaurs. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> yeah, and, and speaking of health, I mean, the fact that you're able to get a hogshead brew or dragon scale ale, that just fits right in with the... Uh, Whole well, it's definitely uh... <laughs> evolved over the last decade. I'm and that butterbeer loaded with sugar. <laughs> it's evolved, yeah, no. you guys. But yeah, it, it raised the bar. Okay. Do you guys remember when we went to, well, we were all there for like. Uh... Infinitus? Yeah, Infinitus. That's right. And they did like a special uh, night visit in the park for everybody who was attending the convention yeah and mm-hmm. we had a live panel and we all tried butterbeer together yeah, that was sweet yeah i think it's important to note that we've all been very fortunate to go down there a number of times mm-hmm. the other thing i would just add to this conversation is potter really saved universal i, I think it's important yeah. to note from a business standpoint that those parks were not doing well at all and Harry Potter coming to both Universal Studios and we'll talk well it it was in Islands of Adventure first right so coming to yes. Islands of mm-hmm. Adventure and then them adding um Diagon Alley to the original park really saved their business and you know has allowed them to continue to expand and to to give us more as fans so uh, this this was a big boost down there for for a, a set of parks that just you know i don't know that they would be around today quite honestly if it, yeah. if it wasn't for yeah. for the wizarding world of harry potter though i yeah i agree i never went to universal prior to harry potter being there and if harry potter was never built there i would have continued to never visit universal it's just it's not really an interesting park to me mm. outside of wizarding world of harry potter really so. i used to go every year but, you were also you're closer though so maybe yeah that's... no that's true and i i was also born in orlando so yeah and the final point i'll make on it is over the past decade there have definitely been some missteps but in, in the franchise there have been some missteps mm. but the theme parks no question have been as good as it can get yeah. like they're just fantastic and i don't think we have any any complaints about them no to transition into our next part of our decade in review, I want to listen to a clip from episode 172. This was from back in 2009, and we had just learned the release date for Deathly Hollows Part 2. And here's how we took the news. Our side to this is that we finally, in a way, have a have a end date for <laughs> for the fandom because for the first time after july 15 2011 there will be no new books and no new movies oh man um, based on the original seven books yeah thanks for so. making that a reality drew that was really nice <laughs> it's kind of sad it is kind of sad you know there's that final date now 
and it seems so far off, but you know, it'll be here. Two it years. does seem really weird. Yeah. What do you guys think about Two this? Years. I mean, you know, is it kind of weird? It's weird that I'm going to be 22 when <laughs> oh. the last movie comes out. I've been reading these books since I was 11 years old. Yeah. Ooh. We should. Um, I'll be 21 too. I'll be older. Or, 22 something like that i'll be 28 well, uh, does that make you feel any better laura <laughs> well no i'm not i'm not talking about age like i'm not i'm not using that as a factor it's just been such a long like road i guess if you think about right. it i mean a lot of changes have happened in everyone's lives since we started reading these yeah. books and it's just weird like who knew when you were a kid or a teenager or whatever and you picked up the first harry potter book how different it would be 10 years down the road i know and now here we are another 10 years later. Oh, God. That, like, my face has been in my hands listening to that entire thing. Also, why? Beca- because I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm going to be 22. <laughs> <laughs> here I am getting ready to turn 31. Um, also, I'm, I must have been hungover when we recorded that. I feel like... I- <laughs> I sounded so hungover. Uh, Andrew, possibly. Too. No, I mean, you, you sound. We all sounded different. I'm, I'm just going to add. I'm glad we sound a whole lot sexier now than we did ten years That's ago. True. Yes, we have aged like a fine wine. Thirty is the new twenty, everybody. <laughs> yeah, indeed, indeed. But yeah, it's interesting to hear that us talking about our ages aside, because we really thought after these final two movies, these final two Harry Potter movies. The franchise was going to be over. The fandom was going to end. That's it. So on November 19th, 2010, Deathly Hallows Part 1 was released. And I want to talk about this for a moment because this was the first time a studio decided to split one book into two movies. And I remember it was huge news when this broke. When the story came out, I still remember being at college and I was in the library and I saw this news and I was like, oh my God, I ran back to my dorm and I grabbed my laptop and I wrote it up for MuggleNet. But then there were all these theories about where they would split the two movies. That was a big deal. And what was also significant about this is that it started this trend in Hollywood of splitting a single book into multiple movies. Twilight did it very successfully. The Hunger Games did it, but part two of Mockingjay uh, didn't do as well box office-wise as part one did. Everybody was just kind of tired of the Hunger Games. Mm. And Divergent tried to do it, but they never released part two. (laughs) Part one did so bad that they were like, you know what? It doesn't make sense for us to do part two. So that story is still incomplete. Read (laughs) the book. It's crazy. There you go. Wow. If, right, if you want to right, know how exactly. it ends, read the book. But also The Hobbit. Let's not forget about that. That yeah. was split into three movies. Yes, Gosh, it was. Yeah. But now I you don't see people doing it anymore, in part because there isn't really a hot book series right now to adapt. But I think that this trend of splitting a book into multiple movies has risen and fallen in the past decade. I don't think we're going to see that anymore. I, I love that perspective. I think it's accurate. I think also we probably transitioned into serialized television, like with both feet. Yeah. So you're going to have, you have like the Mortal Instruments or you have, um, what's I going to say? The, the, the Academy. His Dark Materials. His Dark Materials, yeah, are all mm-hmm. becoming TV shows now on prominent networks. Like 
the the fact that they ever had enough content that they was more than one movie but fewer than two movies that they had to do a split that era is ending because now they're just being adapted into like 13 part miniseries and 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 on on tv and let's not forget game of thrones yeah game of thrones yeah John Green's looking for Alaska. They were trying to make that a movie forever. And then Hulu got the rights and turned that into a eight episode limited series. Yeah, it's just so yeah, it's, it's a good kind point. Of nuts how that's turning around. But we we saw, as you said, the rise and fall of that era. I will say for Deathly Hallows Part One, I think it's the best decision they made. Yeah, I love Part One, but it would not be the same movie if they also had to do the Battle of Hogwarts. And same with Part Two. Of course, to Warner Brothers, it was just a move to make more money, but it also meant a lot to us. So it was a win-win. Then on July 15th, 2011, Deathly Hallows Part 2 was released. And this was a really emotional time for the fandom because we really thought that was the end. The final book had been released five years earlier, and they finally got around to adapting the final book for the screen, and it really seemed like nothing else was going to happen after that. I guess we had the theme park, but, you know, that was it. It's time for all of us to move on. And there was a really huge premiere in London for Deathly Hallows Part 2. The trio were there. They all got to speak for a few minutes in front of this enormous crowd of people, and J.K. Rowling had a speech as well. And I just want to play a clip from the end because this moment became a very memorable quote from jk rowling and you know what oh no no i'm already crying don't <laughs> i know there are people all over the world right now waiting for the cinema for in cinemas for the film to start but dan has already said it the stories we love best do live in us forever so whether you come back by page or by the big screen, Hogwarts will always be there to welcome you home. So we're going to roll the film now. Thank you so People much. People were really moved by that because we all thought we had to leave Hogwarts. Ugh. You know, that was kind of like the end of Hogwarts. And then J.K. Rowling, mom, telling us Hogwarts will always be there to welcome us home. Tears. It was so moving. Tears. Yeah. I just had a memory, and it, this isn't within the last decade, but it does relate to Deathly Hallows when we were... Uh, some of us together in London for the Deathly Hallows book release, me and Jamie were just crying. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) And he was like, Laura, this has been our lives. (laughs) (laughs) It's all over. He maybe had a little too much to drink that night. That may have been part of it. (laughs) I was just emotional. So that was it. final movie came out and you know we were still doing muggle cast for a time because there was still plenty to talk about mm. and less than a year later on april 12th 2012 jk rowling announced her first post potter novel the casual vacancy and this was a big deal because until that time she had only published harry potter books and i think we all tried to give it a read i think all harry potter fans were interested because well crap i miss jk rowling let's see what else she can give us i personally never finished this book because it just wasn't for me yeah um honestly i feel embarrassed same i have not finished this book i actually do a casual vacancy podcast 
if you guys were aware. <laughs> it is a very hard read. Uh, I did finish it, but it was not anything that I would really recommend to other people. I, I It's different. Like, And if it wasn't J.K. Rowling, I don't think I ever would have read it. Well, it's like bleak, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's very much, like I said, it's just different. I, I don't know the best way to really describe it because it's almost like when you would be in school and you were forced to read a book that you just, it was challenging to get through. That's what I felt mm-hmm. about Casual Vacancy. And I, and I know a lot of people enjoyed it. There are some people who enjoyed it. And I know it was important for J.K. Rowling to write it. Uh, she's said that several times. Eric, it did benefit you in one way, right? Yeah, this book is the reason that I met or have ever like been face-to-face with J.K. Rowling to get it signed because she did that release. at I, I think, was it was it Lincoln Center, Micah? Yeah, Do you, it was at Lincoln Center. Okay. Lincoln Center, like... It was a, it was a, it was a, a, I think a reading and a book signing and everyone who attended who had tickets was given a book and then you got, you got to have it signed there. And so I still have, I saw it this morning, actually, um, the signed casual vacancy from JK Rowling. And I got to walk up to her very briefly and just gush at her. I think I scared her a little bit. I was like, <laughs> I, I had like a speech, you know, cause like, you're going to get like a five speech. seconds. It was a thing. It yeah. was, it was going to be, thank you for continuing to put pen to paper. I still remember it. I was like, I need to not screw this up. Uh, and Harry Potter means so much. And I said it all like way too fast. And she just like nodded and smiled and said, uh, you know, you're welcome or something, but then mm-hmm. moved on. But yeah. So I, I have to thank casual vacancy because I had missed the earlier opportunities I think she'd been to Carnegie Hall once or twice, but yeah, I missed the earlier opportunities to meet her. I didn't have any other opportunities to meet her, like on set visits or anything like that. So I feel a lot of gratitude towards uh, her for doing this event because I think a lot of people were in the same situation where this was the one time they got to meet her. Yeah, And don't feel bad, Eric. I also got tongue-tied when I got to be face-to-face with her for like 30 seconds, getting my book signed once. And I was just, well, I gave her a muggle net shirt. (laughs) Right. <laughs> I wonder what she did with it. Uh, probably, I don't know. I'm not going to go there. Um, but I was, I like put it down on the table and I was like, I, I love you and thank you so much for everything. And she was just like, oh, okay. And I'm 22 years old. Yep. Right. <laughs> I've been reading your work since I was 11. <laughs> Listen to my podcast, please. <laughs> and Micah, you were like, hey, check out my new casual vacancy podcast. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Again, like th- this goes to the point of what we were talking about the theme park. But I think just very fortunate that we've been able to go to these types of events, both the one in Lincoln Center. And then and uh, Eric, you mentioned Carnegie Hall. That was that was a big one for her, a big one for the fandom. Uh, but she did sign uh, books after that as well. And and. I was fortunate to get a copy of of Deathly Hallows signed by her. That is the event that I swear I went to, but for the life of me, I have no clue where my signed copy is. And that bothers me every day. I was there with you. You definitely went. Wasn't wasn't that where Where is my book then, Laura? I don't know. Yeah, it was when she announced that Dumbledore is gay. Yeah. Andrew, you were definitely there. 
you were there. Did I like throw my book up in the air out of excitement <laughs> and then somebody grabbed it? No. <laughs> they were okay, so they had a couple of options. You could either bring a book that you wanted her That's to right. sign or they would give you a US edition that she would then sign. I brought my UK uh-huh. edition of Deathly Hallows that Smart. I uh-huh. read with y'all in London because it just it meant so it much had to me. Jamie's tears on it. <laughs> <laughs> can, can, can you sign here right next to Jamie's tears? <laughs> Laura, why is this wet? <laughs> but I don't yeah, know. I, I don't know what happened to your book, man, but you were I definitely really, there. It's mind blowing that I don't know where that is. When she announced that Dumbledore was gay, I have a distinct memory of you. You were like a couple seats down from me, but the row in front of me. And you stood up. You ripped off just... your shirt. You ran up the stage. <laughs> not heard this part. I haven't either. Yeah. What? No, you like threw your arms in the air and you were like cheering with all the people. Holy who... shit. Yeah, you were into it. Oh my gosh, I forgot. It, it was Completely. such an I guess I impactful out. moment for you, Andrew, that you just, it's, <laughs> you lost it. It's somewhere out there. So anyway... April 14th, 2012, Pottermore launched. And that, again, was a really big deal because Mm. we were all sad that it seems like the fandom was over. And then J.K. Rowling's rolling something out called Pottermore. Oh, my gosh. We're getting more Potter. Um, At launch, we were only able to access book one. Mm -hmm. It was a really exciting opportunity for Harry Potter fans because J.K. Rowling was offering more information about various aspects of the Harry Potter series. It took us chapter by chapter through the books, and we would get additional writing on the sorting hat, on specific characters, and it was really good stuff. And as I said a few episodes ago when we were saying goodbye to Pottermore, because it also fell in this decade, Mm. um, that was at a time when people wanted J.K. Rowling to share more information. Unfortunately, people are seemingly tired of her doing that, which I think is really a bummer. But we used to really like that type of thing in the early 2010s. The one thing I remember distinctly about the Pottermore launch was just the way that even even though kind of as we've been talking about, the in a way it, it felt like it was over, the fact that J.K. Rowling and the team behind Pottermore, were, they included the fan sites in this announcement. You remember like they were releasing all the different letters Oh, yeah. On the different fan sites and you yeah. had to use coordinates. I don't I don't remember exactly how they did it, but each fan site had a specific letter that was dedicated to them. And I think maybe a couple of other media sites had letters as well. So you, you had to be able to kind of piece it all together to figure out what it spelled. And I, I just think the fact that they were inclusive of the fan sites speaks to how important MuggleNet, Leaky... HP fan zone since Andy uh, got quidditch on the last episode. How all those sites have been so integral um, and and meaningful to fans over the years. And probably worth saying too, Melissa from Leaky actually worked for Pottermore for a period of time. So I wonder if that had something to do with it as well. It was a real sweet spot. It was a really nice time in fandom where the, the fan sites were still getting exclusives like this. 
And Harry Potter fans, you know, having mourned the loss of Harry Potter and and J.K. Rowling's moving on the year prior with casual vacancy, we're now getting, oh, my God, J.K. Rowling is like, she just took a break. She's going to be back. This is going to be amazing. I think we were talking about that, too, that J.K. Rowling just needed a break for a few years before she dived back into Harry Potter. And really the same thing with Fantastic Beasts. Yeah. Oh, yeah, very much so. And and, and th- like somebody who's that creative. Somebody who can come up with the entire wizarding world over and lives in that world over a decade while writing those books, the ideas don't just stop flowing. Like you get worn out, you you know, and she had a family to raise and 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 and, and a personal life to live as well. But the, the ideas just don't stop coming. Like the creative people, mm-hmm. that's always going to be something in the back of her mind going, hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I wonder if I shouldn't do this. Longer than a decade, I would argue. I mean, we tend to associate with like a decade, but yeah, you know, this probably dates well back to the early '90s when she yeah, like '91. You're right. Was conceptualizing Sorcerer's Stone, and and you know, so it's it's almost close to at this point, it's close to 30 years that it's been a part of her life. While she was taking a break from the world of Harry Potter, she was also working on another book. In April 2013, she secretly published The Cuckoo's Calling under the Robert Galbraith pseudonym. She did this because she wanted the experience of publishing as an unknown author again. She wanted to see what publishers thought of the book. She wanted to release it without all this attention being on her. She just wanted to get something out there that she felt passionate about without all the fanfare. (laughs) And so it hit bookstore shelves. And actually, a lot of critics really liked it. And I believe mm-hmm. one said that we're going to find out one day that this was written by a very well-known author because this is really good. <laughs> yeah. It stayed secret until July 13th, 2013. That was when um, word of her publishing it leaked out. What happened was in the weeks that followed its publication in April, one of the Sunday Times' writers who had read The Cuckoo's Calling tweeted her appreciation of the book shortly after tweeting an anonymous person reached out to her and said you know jk rowling wrote this and of course the critic was like wait what the uh, writer replied to this anonymous person and said how do you know for sure and the user said i just know and then proceeded to delete all of her tweets as well as the account so of course that raised a flag at the sunday times Mm -hmm. the sunday times decided to dig they connected the dots between the publisher and editor of The Casual Vacancy and The Cuckoo's Calling, and then sent the two books plus Deathly Hollows to linguistic experts who found, quote, significant similarities between the three. And so they reached out to J.K. Rowling's people for comment, presenting all this evidence, and that's when Rowling decided to come clean. I remember in a statement at the time, Rowling said that she had wanted to keep it secret for a few months more. Mm-hmm. That leaker ended up being the friend of the wife of a lawyer at Russell's Solicitors who are an, an entertainment firm who had worked with J.K. Rowling. So someone who knew someone who knew someone ended up leaking this, which is just silly. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So a friend of a wife of a of lawyer, a lawyer. <laughs> is that Rowling. like is that marriage still intact <laughs> after this let's do some I don't digging know. <laughs> yeah yeah i know that Rowling ended up going to court over this and got i don't know who exactly to pay 
a soldier foundation some money. So she ended up uh, helping benefit a charity by Ugh. suing over this leak. Good for her. But so when this leaked out, I ran oh. to Barnes & Noble. Oh, yeah. And I grabbed a copy. I remember there were a couple copies on the shelf. I stupidly gave one to somebody else. I wish I kept that because <laughs> it's probably worth some money. It's valuable because it does not say in the book that, obviously, that Robert Galbraith is a pseudonym for J.K. Rowling. After the leak came out, they added that to the inside flap. Yep. Do you guys remember going out and grabbing this book right away? A hundred percent. Yeah. Still where I was. I was in Niles, Illinois on Tui Avenue. There was a Barnes and Noble. I was there for work. I went across the street to the Barnes and Noble, got the copies. The weirdest thing was for an unknown author, it was on the shelves. Everybody, like once this came out, you could find it. Like it wasn't like, I don't know, they must have had a good secret back road for making sure that there were copies out there getting reviewed because isn't it a little weird that we all could find it once the word broke right yeah i guess they wanted to make sure it was as available as any other good book they just weren't anticipating lots of sales because once this leak did happen i remember they immediately put another run into print mm -hmm. Because obviously there was about to be a ton of demand. Right. Yeah. I love that she did this because she wanted the story to stand on its own merits. Yeah. And not just be lauded because she was the one who wrote it. Um, I actually didn't end up reading this until a couple of years after all this transpired. Um, but I remember I got uh, the first one for my birthday and I just sat around all day on my birthday and drank tea and just devoured this book. I just, <laughs> I read the whole thing in a day. Mm -hmm. Like it, it's just such a good story. And her writing is impeccable mm -hmm. in this book. It just brings back a lot of memories about the Harry Potter series in yeah. the detail that she uses. And it's a mystery fundamentally. This right. is what separates it from casual vacancy, which is more of like a gritty political interpersonal kind of adult book this manages to have that sense of wonder in the whodunit and you can and it's it's genre fiction too so so jk rowling is really just in her element and that's why this book works right yeah because we often talk about at its core how the harry potter series is just one big mystery mm -hmm. or it could be portrayed that way and these Corbin Strike novels are just great reads because there's so much uh, that you have to try and figure out. And I think one of the great things about J.K. Rowling's writing is that she drops those clues early on. And if you go back and take a look, you're like, oh, yeah, you know what? I And, and she does it through Corbin, right? Where like mm -hmm. he what what frustrates the hell out of me is that like he never tells robin like he he's figuring things out as they go along but like he'll never give her the like what she needs to know to to figure out who's responsible for it and i feel like it's the same thing between jk rowling and the reader where it's like you know what i mean like but yeah they, these are great they're great novels and uh, I highly recommend them. I, I may have just done the Amazon order. I have to go check my book, but I, I think it says Robert. Gal uh, it says that that blurb that you had um, mentioned, Andrew, uh, that it's that's a pseudonym for, yeah. for yeah. J.K. Rowling. 
Whenever I go into a used bookstore now, I look for copies of The Cuckoo's <laughs> Calling because I want to find one that doesn't have J.K. Rowling's name in it. It would be so exciting to find another one of those. Oh, man. So, um, a month later, MuggleCast ended. Oh, August 27th, really? 2013. We <laughs> ended the show at episode 269. It just felt like it was time. The movie, the final movie had been released a year earlier. There wasn't really anything else happening in the world of Harry Potter. We had been in existence for what? Eight. Nine years at that point? Eight, yeah. Eight, eight years? Eight full years, yeah. It just, it just felt like it was time. I know personally, admittedly, I felt like I our time with MuggleCast was over. I was ready to move on. Mm-hmm. I was certainly grateful for everything MuggleCast had brought me. I mean, so many opportunities and friends I never would have had otherwise, but I was ready to be done with the show. <laughs> Do you guys remember MuggleCast, that podcast? It hasn't been on the air for like six years. It ended in 2013. <laughs> I wonder where those people are now. Like J.K. Rowling, I felt like I needed a break. Seriously, like we had been doing it for mm-hmm. so long and we were doing it weekly. It was just time. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I, I think we were all kind of of that mindset. Maybe tired was the right word too, where you know we had just reached a point where we had been talking about Potter for for so long of a period of time, week after week, month after month, year after year, and and it it didn't seem like there was much in the future that we could really create a show where there could be weekly discussion. Or or I mean, mm-hmm. we did take a period of time where we weren't going weekly anymore, right? We were going right. like every right. other week or every month, and then it finally just wound down. And and I think it was also just because Andrew, Eric, and myself were the only three kind of remaining mm-hmm. hosts and you know a lot of the other hosts that had been on the show for a long period of time had moved on to other things and and so I look back on it and say you know it, it was the right decision uh, at the at, yeah. at that time uh, but then two weeks later <laughs> you know we decided oh you know what <laughs> two weeks later. <laughs> MuggleCast ended on August 27th, 2013. On September 12th, 2013, J.K. Rowling and Warner Brothers announced the Fantastic Beast series. And, I mean, this news was massive. It came out of nowhere. There were no rumors ahead of time. Rowling had said in a statement, um, she was very clear, it's not a prequel, nor a sequel to the Harry Potter series, but an extension of the Wizarding world. The laws will be similar. The hidden magical society will be similar, but it's telling a new story. She even said, it all started when Warner Brothers came to me with the suggestion of turning Fantastic Beasts and where to find them into a film. I thought it was a fun idea, but the idea of seeing Newt Scamander, the supposed author of Fantastic Beasts, realized by another writer was difficult. Having lived for so long in my fictional universe, I feel very protective of it, and I already knew a lot about Newt. As hardcore Harry Potter fans will know, I liked him so much that I even married his grandson, Rolf, to one of my favorite characters from the Harry Potter series, Luna Lovegood. As I considered Warner's proposal, an an idea took shape that I couldn't dislodge. This is how I ended up pitching my own idea for a film to Warner Brothers. Wasn't it that warner brothers wanted to do like a documentary style film for fantastic beasts like newt capturing the beasts or talking about the beasts, something like that i don't recall specifically maybe i made that up 
But then Rowling didn't want to give this to another writer, which is interesting because I feel like inevitably in the decade ahead, we're going to see other official Wizarding World creations mm. not written by J.K. Rowling. But we'll talk about that later. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think so. I think the big thing here is <laughs> Warner Brothers is trying to just extend the IP and be like, you know, we, we kind of own the rights to this. Can we do something? And J.K. Rowling's like, how about if I write it? <laughs> They're like, mm-hmm. yes, <laughs> yes, please. Thank you. Um, it's just so interesting that the story really inspired her enough and she had had enough time away and had done enough different things that now it was time she was actually, she was going to be writing movies for crying out loud. And and I think two movies, (laughs) neither a sequel nor a prequel that I think is BS, but, um, you know, because she obviously kind of centered it around even in the first film positioned it to be the lead in to Grindelwald um taking over and and sort of his reign yeah uh during the second world war and so i think that that's the story that seemingly really spoke to her yeah and i think we're seeing that now in these films where we started out with Newt but really the subplot will rise to being the main plot and that's this dynamic between Dumbledore and, and Grindelwald and but I'm just kind of looking at the episode 270 notes that we have here from when we discussed the fact that Fantastic Beast was being announced and it's really funny it's, it's like we're back already <laughs> <laughs> yeah we released that the same day that J.K. Rowling and Warner Brothers announced this news yeah and at the time they were calling it a three-part film series. That's right. Then three years later, J.K. Rowling announced it was going to be five parts. She said that, I originally said three just as a placeholder until I figured out this whole story. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, five films. I have a confession to make. Um, when I first heard about this, I was like, what? Like, <laughs> you're making three movies out of a 42-page book? Right. And then I heard it was up to five and I was like, no, you've got to no. be kidding me. But later I learned, of course, that it's a whole story that she developed about Newt's character. So I get it. But at the time I was just like, what? Yeah. Well, <laughs> y- you weren't alone because I think everybody was wondering how she could make three movies out of this and why this would need to exist. But then once we saw Fantastic Beast one and we, we were starting to see the Deathly Hollows and how this ties into Grindelwald and um, Dumbledore, it started to make sense. It, it, it started to have a purpose and, mm. and be worthy of the original Harry Potter film series. I think this was the best way to go. If they were going to do another film series, it should lead up to the global wizarding war and Dumbledore's epic fight with Grindelwald mm-hmm. and that whole story backstory between those two characters and what happened to Ariana. Absolutely. Um, and it's interesting that we did pose the question that early on, will JK Rowling be involved with all the films in the series? Maybe we knew something even back then that uh, proved to be true. And then also just what does it mean for the future of the podcast? I'm interested now to go back and listen to what we thought. Yeah, be the future of our show based on this announcement. And then even though we came back for that announcement, we didn't do an episode until later that year. So we were still kind of just doing episodes whenever we felt like it. Mm -hmm. Um, But that wasn't the only expansion of the franchise that year. We learned 
December 19th, 2013, that a Harry Potter play was in development. What's interesting about that news... Here we go. <laughs> ...looking back, was the original idea was not what it would become. This is a quote from the announcement back in December 2013. The brand new play will explore the previously untold story of Harry's early years as an orphan and an outcast. Featuring some of our favorite characters from the Harry Potter books, this new work will offer a unique insight into the heart and mind of the now legendary young wizard, a seemingly ordinary boy, but one for whom destiny has plans. And we had also heard that this was going to follow Harry's years under the stairs. And I remember we were all just like, what we're just gonna like watch harry sit sit in the cupboard under the stairs this sounds so dumb i for one love this idea over the existing idea i want it to be a grounded family i mean i i had no idea the the level of spectacle that they would end up pulling out for the cursed child i I don't think any of us really understood until they did it how groundbreaking and amazing it would be so i did think oh well if it's a stage play then that would obviously be more suited for like a a heady psychological drama about an abused child. Like I thought it like fit at the time. Is that good for fans though? I mean, it would have been void of magic because Harry didn't really have his magical abilities. Well, it might be that you could cut away to Dumbledore and McGonagall discussing Harry's growth throughout the years or something like that. It, It is just fascinating how vastly different the end play became from the public press release of the original like that you found here and you know we were just talking about this behind the scenes cursed child book a few weeks ago and that completely glosses over (laughs) this idea for the play which is too bad they're like they want to erase this but it was very real i mean they announced this with with all these little tidbits and it was very much going to be a play about harry's life before hogwarts Then on June 26th, 2015, they threw that idea away and announced the title, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Then September 24th, 2015, J.K. Rowling announced on Twitter that the play will be two parts due to the epic nature of the story. Do you guys remember, were you skeptical, excited about two parts? I'm sure we made some joke about Deathly Hallows. (laughs) Everything's better in two parts. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I don't honestly. I don't even remember. Um, I, I do think. I wouldn't say the epic nature of the story is the reason for it. I think the epic nature of the production is the reason for it being split into two parts. I would not give credit to the story itself. I would give credit mm-hmm. to the production that's put on. Just how I feel about the story itself. Yeah. Yeah, and um, June seventh, twenty sixteen, the Cursed Child began previews, and then uh, the next day, June eighth, twenty sixteen, J.K. Rowling called out Hypable on Twitter for spoiling the plot. So good times. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember this. If you don't want Cursed Child spoilers, avoid Hypable. Hashtag Wormtaily. That was a rough tweet to wake up to. Uh-huh. At least she tweeted you. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Uh, yeah, Hypable. We posted some spoilers. We posted the Hogwarts house assignments. That was it. And we didn't do it blatantly. We hid it behind a spoiler warning. It it wasn't like we were spoiling anyone who didn't want to be spoiled. We kind of saw that later on as J.K. Rowling sending a warning signal to other sites. Hey, don't go and drop massive spoilers online or else I'm going to call you out. 
Right. So we were kind of made an example of. <laughs> yeah. But but I just recall everybody wanted spoilers. Everybody. Yep. It was such under wraps. It was so. And why was that? Why did everybody want spoilers? Were we hesitant even then? Did we know that it was? It was because everybody couldn't fly across the ocean to go see this play. Yeah. And the book mm-hmm. wasn't going to be released for a month and a half later. So people wanted to know what was going to happen in the eighth story. Written That's in true. part by J.K. Rowling. Yeah, the marketing was kind of cruel there. Uh, I think we all kind of needed to know. Good on you, Andrew. <laughs> I do have a question. If you ever have a chance to speak to her, will you ever bring this up? Like, will you no. introduce yourself as Andrew from Hypeable? I'm yeah. Mr. Wormtaily. Yeah, you got to wear a shirt that says Wormtaily. <laughs> yeah, I would, um, I would sing Justin Bieber's Sorry to Her. I'm sorry, so sorry, <laughs> or however that song goes. I would just identify myself as being on MuggleCast. I wouldn't mention Hypable. And then she's like, oh, so you're that Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. That's another Andrew you're thinking of. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, I did go to the Lyric Theater recently uh, because as being part of Wizarding World Gold, you can get pins at different locations that are important to uh, the Harry Potter series. And of course you can do so at the theater where Cursed Child is, is playing uh, here in New York. And of course I go and there's a guy sitting right outside, you know, security fine. And I, and I talked to him and, and he's like, Oh, the, the store is closed. Now, mind you, it's five o'clock in the afternoon on a Friday the doors wow. are wide open. You can see into the merchandise shop where you can get this pin. And so, you know, I had a conversation. He gave me the hours where the store is open to the public. And I said, fine. But it's like, come on. Like, that should be in the – I'm paying you a premium. That should be in the Wizarding Gold right. section of, of this app because, yeah. oh. I mean, I'm lucky that I live in New York and I can pretty much go there any time to, to get it. But like people who may be coming in from out of town and they want to pick this thing up. like You should have said to him, excuse me, sir, I am a gold member. You will <laughs> let me in right now. So that's Chris Child in a nutshell. Jumping back now to July 8th, 2014, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter opened its first expansion at Universal Orlando. It was Diagon Alley. Really, really, really well done. I think they learned a lot from the first park, Hogsmeade. For example, there is a lot more shade, which is really great during those hot Orlando summers. Mm. The detail is just incredible. I feel like you can get lost in Diagon Alley Mm -hmm. as well. I remember going there the first time and not really knowing which direction to head because there's a bunch of different paths you could take. And that was so exciting. And then um, Wizarding World Diagon Alley was also super interesting because they added the Hogwarts Express, which connected Diagon Alley to Hogsmeade. And brilliantly, you need a park hopper ticket to ride the train (laughs) and it takes you from one park to the other. It's super cool. I know it might be seen as a little slimy, but the experience is just so spectacular. And like, if you're visiting universal, you should probably visit both parks anyway Mm -hmm. to make the trip more worth it. I agree. I also, to your point about feeling lost at Diagon Alley, I wanted to comment on the first time I walked up to the front of King's cross station. I wasn't entirely sure where to go. (laughs) 
Yes. Like my brother said this to me recently too. Yeah, and it I, I loved it because it made it so authentic. Like you kind of had to poke around and figure out where the entrance was. Yeah. You have to you you just kind of figure it out based on where other people are heading, but there's no signage to show you, "Hey, head through this brick wall to experience Diagon Alley." I wonder how many people ask employees sometime like, "Where the heck is this dragon and this Diagon <laughs> Alley ride?" That could be a secondary job duty of the night bus guy, you know, like yeah, having a staff member pose poised right at the exit or King's Cross people might be trained to say something a little you know, quippy. I love how on this show, we're just giving people more responsibility in their day-to-day jobs, like the security guard <laughs> at, at, at the theater. Well, I also love how they have employees just kind of in plain clothes around mm-hmm. King's Cross Station, like doing the typical kinds of things you see people doing in these environments, like maybe playing an instrument. Yes. Or some, like it was just, there was a girl playing violin when I went mm. one time, and yeah. I was like, that's strange. <laughs> it's genius yeah. because it adds to the authenticity. And it's like, wait, is that person an employee here? Or is it just like a park goer who decided to play violin? You can't really tell. Yeah. I, I would say like the really cool thing about this park opening is that sure, there's nostalgia in going into Islands of Adventure and you get to see Hogwarts for the first time. But this is how Harry is introduced really to the wizarding world in Sorcerer's Stone. Mm. And the fact like when you come around that corner entering Diagon Alley and like you just see everything in front of you, if you kind of like remove all the hundreds of people from your mind that are standing in front of you. Uh, but yeah, it, just that experience of turning that corner and and being immersed in that world and the level of detail is just unbelievable in Diagon Alley. And and I agree with you, Andrew, you can get lost. The fact that they have Nocturne Alley uh, is amazing. Definitely go there. If you're a little bit overheated, it's nice and air conditioned. Um, (laughs) And what were were they thinking? Adding a dragon, like a fire breathing dragon as if it's not hot enough. Cause you can feel that. Like if you're standing (laughs) close enough, you can feel that. Yeah, but it's only breathing fire for like two seconds. Fire is cool, Micah. (laughs) <laughs> I know. Uh, and you, you mentioned the details. My favorite detail that I always love to point out to people is that the leaky cauldron sign is actually dripping water. And my greatest <laughs> fear is that one day that's going to break and they're not going to bother the, to fix it because it's such a small detail. But it's still working five years later, and I absolutely love it. <laughs> the one thing I'll say about Diagon Alley, and, and this may change in the future, but it does only have one ride. Um, which mm-hmm. is which is Escape from Gringotts, and I and I wonder if that will change. Yeah, I mean they, they get away by calling things attractions, like Celestina Warbeck is an attraction. The Eric, uh, you love her, man. Uh, but she's great, dude. <laughs> but you, well, you uh, performed on stage with her. I mean, it's I, it was I quite was amazing. I was pulled up once. I I have oh. pictures though. It was great. I think there's um, video. The tale of the the tale of the three broomsticks recounting. These are attractions. Brothers, these brothers, are brothers. The, Not, yeah. I mean, the, tale of the three oh, broomsticks might. I mean, <laughs> oh wow, oh wow! That might yeah, be there's good. another job for everybody on an adult <laughs> site somewhere. Tale of the Three Broomsticks. Tale please? of the Three Brothers. You know, these are attractions. This is how they get away with only having one concrete ride. Yeah, it does kind of stink that Diagon Alley only has one proper ride. I guess you can count the train as one of them as well. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, maybe they will expand one. But then day. you could count the train on the other side, too. right? 
Yeah. Well, it's on both sides because it's a slightly different experience both ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. I just think the level of immersion is unsurpassed, right? The only the only way you do something better is if you get a Hogwarts hotel. Yeah. And that could potentially come with that next theme park that they're building. Oh. Moving on, October 6th, 2015, the first illustrated edition was released. These are done by Jim K. There are four out now. It looks like at this point, there's going to be one coming out every other year. And, well, they only have three to go. Um, we just love these so much. We've raved about them here on the show before. I'm I'm so glad that they decided to take on this task. It's a huge task. It's taking them a while, but it is so worth it. And in the next decade, we're probably going to have this Illustrated Edition series complete. And I can't wait to see them all lined up on my bookshelf. Yeah, these are just beautiful. Like, there's really no debate <laughs> there mm-hmm. i feel like these are very universally liked it's another pure thing in the harry potter fandom january 14th 2016 something sad happened alan rickman died at the age of 69 of cancer this shocked mm-hmm. everybody we didn't know he had cancer and it was just really such a sad day for the harry potter fandom because we all grew up watching this actor he just did such a great job portraying snape sometimes i still can't believe he's gone yeah me too me too agree it it was one of those where you just get a gut punch i, I remember feeling the same mm. way with robin williams because mm. yeah these actors and actresses are really a part of your childhood of of your your formative years and with alan rickman passing i mean we learned so much even about him after he passed, just the close relationships that he had with so many of the cast in Potter mm-hmm. that just the going above and beyond. Like I know he obviously had a very close relationship with Daniel Radcliffe, but the fact that you know he would write notes to people or go see their shows and other projects that they were working on, it just speaks to the the kind of individual that he was. J.K. Rowling tweeted a small tribute to him Not that it matters, but it became her most liked tweet. She said, there are no words to express how shocked and devastated I am to hear of Alan Rickman's death. He was a magnificent actor and a wonderful man. We have all lost a great talent and his family have lost part of their hearts. So it was nice to hear from J.K. Rowling on that sad day. And he, as far as we knew, he was in good health so yeah it was I, just i just seen a, a shock i saw him on broadway like a couple months before yeah um mm-hmm. in a play called seminar My, micah you were at that right yeah yeah that that month was also really hard because david bowie died either yeah. a few days before or a few days after alan rickman and i was like okay stop it i need my my English idols to just stop <laughs> dying. Yeah. yeah. Then later that year, November 18th, 2016, Fantastic Beast 1 hit theaters and we all loved it. It was a great start yes. to the series. It was a cute movie. It was nice seeing Newt make new friends and seeing all these beasts. And it was wonderful to head back into the Wizarding World. Yeah. Andrew, you and I saw it together. Yeah. Oh, that's so wholesome. In New York, we went, we were. Uh... Eric, were you there? Yeah, I was there. I don't know why I just remember Andrew. Sorry. There was a uh, <laughs> there was a big wire. There was a giant wire. That that place was not designed to be a movie. Did you theater, sit really. with us though, or you sat with other people? I thought I sat with you guys. We were on the I don't balcony. Think you and there was did. like a huge. Okay, Micah okay. just chooses to not remember 
Eric it's being cool. there. It's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Happy holidays, Eric. But it Eric. was great because they brought out the cast then at the end and no, but none of us knew who they were. Like, even after having just seen the film, we were like, oh, okay, you know, these are the, the people. That's kind of neat. But nowadays, if that opera, like, I, I, I just would have, I would be sure to cheer three times as loud if the same thing were to happen now. It was a charity event benefiting Lumos, right? Yes. It wasn't JK Rowling there too? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think J.K. Rowling and Eddie Redmayne had a little sit down about the Lumos Foundation yeah, prior to the movie starting. That's right. That is right. Yep. We were like, how can we see this movie early? Oh, we'll go to this charity event to watch it. <laughs> I remember after I saw this movie, I was like, holy cow. If they had let J.K. Rowling write the screenplays for the Potter films, they would have been perfect. <laughs> oh, you think so? Yes. Hmm. Well, hmm. I thought so. After I saw this movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Your opinion may have changed after the second one. Is that what you're saying? Well, I don't know. Because the thing is, the stories had already, they were already there as books, right? So mm -hmm. I think that having her be part of the screenwriting process might have improved the adaptations. After seeing the second one, I have some feelings about like going straight from the idea to the screen november 8th 2017 port key games and harry potter wizards unite were announced so port key games is this group at warner brothers that is developing harry potter games and we've only seen a couple at this point presumably many more are to come and hopefully some really good games for uh consoles but this was also a big day because Wizards Unite was announced and we learned that it was being created by the same people who made Pokemon Go. And back then, Pokemon Go was still a really big deal. Of course, Wizards Unite came out earlier this year and we all enjoyed it, at least for a few weeks. So hopefully in the decade ahead, we will get some other great Harry Potter games. I still play it from then, time to time. Do you not? What level are you? I have not loaded it up in like two months. So I need to, to go to my first broom lesson. Are you thinking Hogwarts Mystery? Oh, yeah, well, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Which Pat still plays. Oh. <laughs> what, what is he like? Level a thousand at this point, yeah. I think. He, he <laughs> plays both. I, ugh, I gave up on Hogwarts Mystery at the point that I got to the Devil's Snare. And you couldn't actually fight the thing off in one like yeah sitting. you had you were like caught up in the devil's snare and it was like well you have to wait for your energy to build back up and i was like okay i'm not yeah i'm not doing it's a this little... i just loaded up wizards unite for the first time in like two months i see you sent me a gift master lupin mm -hmm. i expect a gift in return <laughs> <laughs> sure especially because it's the holidays march 12th 2018 the franchise got a new name and logo they decided to just call the franchise the Wizarding World. And we did, I think, like almost a whole episode on this because to me, this is signaling that J.K. Rowling is opening up the Wizarding World to new creators. It's not J.K. Rowling's Pottermore. It's not J.K. Rowling's Wizarding World. It is just Wizarding World. Mm. This is uh, what the Star Wars logo is to that whole franchise. This is what we're going to see everywhere for the rest of the time. It's reflective of The Cursed Child having been developed by multiple creators. It's reflective of these Harry Potter games, the theme park. I do think it's important, though, that J.K. Rowling continue to be involved 
Number one, because she's still around. And and because so many yes. times we see other franchises get poached and 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 really taken advantage of and things get created that don't make sense or fans don't enjoy and they just do it because they can. And in many of those cases, there's no input from the original creator or the author. And I think having J.K. Rowling is is very, very valuable. And it's it's something that, you know, we would all benefit from if she continues to be involved in these projects. If Some of them are going to be great successes. Some of them are going to really just not do well. I think that's just the nature of things, right? If we look back over this decade, we probably can point to things that were great and some that were not so great. And I think that's just what we can expect now that the Potter series as we know it has kind of come to an end and we're moving into this new era. But I, I really would be hesitant to buy something or go see something that she is not directly involved in. Same. So I'm sure she will still sign off on everything and or her mm -hmm. team will. I think at this point, and maybe this exists, there needs to be a creative group closely tied to JK Rowling that's signing off on everything, that making sure everything is... Uh, that is making sure everything is canon and and won't annoy fans. There needs to be this team, a brain trust, who J.K. Rowling can trust, can carry this franchise yeah. into the decades ahead. Well, that's the global franchise development team that was put together a couple years ago. I think before yeah. the first, mm -hmm. like those people, and like maybe J.K. Rowling maintains veto power, but I really think at Probably. this point, at this point, it might be beyond her. I mean, she's not going to be signing off, in my opinion, on things like Wizards Unite or right. any of these other games. That stuff doesn't really matter. But like uh, anything to do with the film series, something as big as the play, any other potential new films or television shows, I think she will be involved to some extent. Mark, but I think yeah. we as fans are going to have to accept that this world is going to continue opening up and it won't always be with J.K. Rowling super involved. Yeah, the the marquee level things i think she has to have direct input on the the things you mentioned i don't think as much november 19th 2018 fantastic beast the crimes of grindelwald hit theaters we were all excited this panel wasn't super blown away by the film in fairness a lot of fans did really like crimes of grindelwald um however due to the criticism surrounding the film Warner Brothers ultimately decided to delay the third movie to work on the screenplay more. And of course, as we spoke about a couple months ago, Steve Clovis, who wrote seven of the eight Harry Potter movies, is now writing Fantastic Beasts 3 with J.K. Rowling. Or I should say wrote. Hopefully it is finished now because they are going to start filming in the spring. Um, <laughs> the movie also just didn't do as well box office wise as the first one did. And... I think that scared Warner Brothers as well because they still have three movies to go and they don't want this to turn into a Hunger Games or Divergent situation where the later films flop and it hurts the brand. I really felt for J.K. Rowling during this because we've been pretty straightforward. I did not think that Crimes of Grindelwald was a great movie, but I also don't think that as an artist, J.K. Rowling has to always be on point like she's a human being just like the rest of us but I think as a fandom like we kind of hold her up on this pedestal and so when she stumbles 
people were really hard on her about it. And with this recent trend in the fandom towards it being popular to hate on Joe, I think there was a segment of people who took great delight in the fact that this wasn't a great movie. And to me, that was more of a reflection of like how toxic some of the overly critical fans can be and less of an indictment of JK Rowling herself. Um, mm-hmm. So I just I think it's an important moment culturally in the fandom as well, because yeah. there there have definitely been moments in the fandom where I'm like, OK, listen, guys, like you don't have to love everything she does. And it's OK to critique things, but you don't have to be rude. Mm. Like you don't have to be mean spirited about it. Yeah. And there's definitely been a lot of that this year on Twitter. I know she's no longer active on Twitter. And it, mm-hmm. it, I honestly, given what I've seen on Twitter about her this year, I wouldn't blame her. Right. I don't yeah. blame her. No, not at all. Exactly. And actually, I think I forgot to include when she had originally joined Twitter earlier this decade. I believe it was 2014 or 2015 where she really became active. We all remember her or her team had created a at JK Rowling Twitter account, but she wasn't using it except to tweet pen and paper are my priority at the moment. And it was kind of weird because she tweeted the exact same thing like five times. And Micah was so bored by these tweets that (laughs) he infamously never followed her. (laughs) June 2019. (gasps) Hagrid's Magical Creatures Motorbike Adventure (laughs) opened at the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Orlando at Universal. Hogsmeade. (sighs) The Islands of Adventure. Phenomenal ride. Honestly, one of the best things I've ever ridden in my life. I'm obsessed with this ride. Everybody needs to ride this. I don't care how long the wait is. Do it. Yeah. And uh, closing out the decade, Universal continues to push the bar of what you can do with a theme park, what you can do with a ride, what you can do with attractions, what you can do in general. I'm not a roller coaster person, but I would definitely ride that again. It's not super intense. I don't think. Some people have said I'm downplaying it, but to me it's not bad and I'm not a roller coaster person either. So me neither. Oh, I'm a I love roller coasters. Like the more extreme mm-hmm. the better. Mm-hmm. Um I haven't gotten a chance to ride this yet. Do you think that I'm going to be disappointed? No. Okay. You're going to love it. No, no okay. but ride the motorbike because you'll get more slightly more g-force and you'll have to hold the handlebars to be able to stay on straight. And then finally October 2nd, 2019, Pottermore shut down. And we spoke about this a couple months, yeah, a couple months ago. So we won't get into it much again. But that is the last significant event of the decade. Sorry, that's a little bit of a bummer to end it on. But Pottermore has transitioned to WizardingWorld.com, and there's no more chapter by chapter reread. But there are all of J.K. Rowling's old writings on the Harry Potter series, so that's cool. And I think to just kind of in that vein. Wizarding World Gold. It's interesting to see the Potter franchise kind of branch out into that type of adventure, mm-hmm. sort of the elite. Maybe elite is not the right word, but just putting things behind a paywall. Mm. Yeah, it's it's a little. It feels a little weird. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel mm-hmm. right. It doesn't feel like something J.K. Rowling would do. It's right. very much a business move. Totally. One other thing, and and then there's no date really attached to this, but I just think seeing the growth of Potter podcasts over the course of the last decade, the just how many are are so relevant today, 
that the fact that you know MuggleCast and Pottercast are still around after all this time, uh, but also some of the folks that we've had on in in the recent months and and just seeing the success that their podcasts have had, you know, with with Mike um, uh, from from Potterless and you know his whole story and and you know the Harry Potter and the Sacred Text who he had on a couple weeks ago. It's just very cool to see it's the podcast community thriving at such a high level. Yeah, and it's reflective of the popularity of podcasts on a whole. They really blew up in 2014, 2015 with the success of Serial. Mm. And now podcasts are incredibly mainstream. And we, of course, love that. It's benefited us and podcasting has given us amazing opportunities. And we're so glad there are more podcasts than ever out there because they're a really incredible opportunity for people who are passionate about things to blab about it for hours on end. So what do we expect in the decade ahead? I looked back at our final episodes of 2009 and unfortunately, we did not do this. And it would have been so great to look back and hear what we thought was going to happen in this past decade. So now we're going to do this, and we will look back at this at in uh, 2029. God, that's Ugh. terrifying. Yeah. When Laura is 41. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, my God. <laughs> and we'll see how right or wrong we were. So I have a few ideas here. The Fantastic Beast series will wrap. Mm-hmm. That hopefully will come to pass. They won't mm-hmm. delay it further. Do we think that a new Wizarding World film series will be revealed by 2029? I'm waiting for this shoe to drop on Andrew Lincoln as uh, <laughs> the Quidditch Through the Ages guy, Kenilworthy Wisp. I really want this for real. And all we have right now is an audiobook. Yes, he narrates that audiobook. Mm. Oh. That's why Eric keeps gunning for that. Yeah. I feel like we are either going to get a new Wizarding World film series or we're going to get a TV show. Yeah. Either or. I don't I don't think it would be both. I think one or the other. Mm. Oh, interesting. But Star Wars has film and TV going on right now. They do, but they just started doing that. And I mean, if you look at how much work they have left to do on Fantastic Beasts, do we think that they actually have the bandwidth to come up with another film series and right. also a TV series? That's a lot. That's yeah. a, That's a good point. Any TV series would be a reboot, kind of, of the original seven or eight films, right? I hope so. I would love for there to be a Harry Potter TV series. I need that. (laughs) It feels inevitable because all of these streaming apps have all these big brands, and Harry Potter is noticeably absent. And I think the only thing that's holding any of these apps back from Harry Potter is J.K. Rowling. I don't think she's ready to sign off on a TV series yet, be it a reboot or something entirely new. I think that a future Wizarding World series in theaters will depend very much on how the rest of this Fantastic Beast series goes. Good point. Yeah, great point. At least as it relates to this next decade, because so much of it, at least the first part of it, will be taken up by the Fantastic Beast film series, maybe, you know, whether it's massively successful or, you know, moderately successful or completely bombs out, particularly if it completely bombs out, I don't see Warner Brothers moving forward with another one, at least in this decade. Maybe they look beyond that, but I do think it's very much dependent upon how this goes uh, in mm-hmm. the next couple of years, particularly with the next film. But also what's worth noting here, I think, is that Harry Potter fans are still really passionate about 
this franchise. And 10 years ago, I don't think we would have predicted that. Yeah. And I think one of the best examples is that we all very proudly still wear Harry Potter sweaters and t-shirts and we buy all this merchandise. And the fact that there's so much Harry Potter merchandise available is reflective of the fact that it still sells really well. So Harry Potter fans are still really passionate about everything and want to show their pride, even though it's been a decade since the final Harry Potter book was released. The big question for them is really how do you tap into that next generation of fans, right? So with what you're talking about, people wearing the merchandise, a TV series would potentially do that. Um, I just think that if you're a Warner Brothers, you have to try and figure out, okay, well, the core Harry Potter fan that grew up is now in their 30s, right? Or maybe even going into their 40s. How do I get that fan that is in their 20s or maybe even in their teens or even younger than that? Like They have to do a lot of thinking about how they're going to market the series over the course of the next 10 years to track those younger fans. Two words, Micah. Baby Yoda. They need their own baby Yoda. The baby Niffler didn't work out. So let's get a baby Buckbeak or a baby Hedwig. I don't know. They need a cute character that everybody can rally behind. I also think that they need to be thinking about people, you know, in our, we're like the Harry Potter generation. We're the ones who grew up with these books. We're all having kids now. And so many of my friends who are big Harry Potter fans who have children are introducing their kids to the books. And I know we've heard the same thing from a lot of our listeners, that it's like the cyclical thing. And what sounds nicer than creating a Harry Potter TV series that you can sit and binge with your kids in the comfort of your home? Like, I'm just saying. True that. It writes itself. (laughs) (laughs) It would write itself. I think they just need to redo the Harry Potter books because what do we always hear? The movies left out so much and everybody would Mm -hmm. be absolutely ecstatic to see them include every detail from the books. Yeah. So I'm a, a big fan of the His Dark Materials trilogy and that movie was just not good. The Nicole Kidman Daniel Craig, I think, one that came Mm -hmm. out in like the early 2000s. That was not a good movie. Is that why there wasn't a sequel? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But how is Um, the TV show doing? The TV show I'm really enjoying. There there are some mixed reviews amongst fans um, because there's been some movement of items in the timeline in terms of like what they're showing in the show. I think from a viewer perspective, it makes sense. But I feel like what you can't argue is that the production quality and the tone Mm. of the story, they're getting right. Mm. And they're also like, uh, there's a lot of like atheist themes in the His Dark Material series that they really shied away from in the movie. And they're not shying away from that in this show. So I think having a TV show just opens up more avenues to explore some of the, the more nuanced themes of the story and really get into the nitty gritty details and people love binge watching. So even if they're not Mm -hmm. Harry Potter fans who binge the books back in the day, look at how many people who never read game of Thrones got into the game of Thrones TV show. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And this could lift other areas of the franchise. Mm -hmm. People would want to dip into the fantastic beast film series and the original Harry Potter movies and whatever else came next and the theme parks. I predict The Cursed Child will be broadcast in theaters in the decade ahead. 
oh. in movie theaters so everybody <laughs> can see it finally <laughs> um also just how about jk rowling what will she be up to she did say over a year ago back in may 2018 that after she finished writing the fantastic piece three screenplay she would be working on a children's book she said uh-huh. it is not related to Harry Potter at all. So maybe we'll see that in the next year or two. Or maybe she published it under a pseudonym and there's another <laughs> J.K. Rowling book hiding out there that we're all missing out on. Oh, man. I, I, would, I would love like that. To th- yeah, I mean, that'd be really cool to read, especially to the point that Laura raised earlier about how so many um, of us, you know, and, you know, people our age that grew up with Potter are now having kids to be able to read, you know, it doesn't have to be about Potter, but read something that else that she wrote um, that's specifically geared towards children. And then I know you have here too, just more Corbin strike novels. Where's that story going? And yeah, maybe she said there will be more. Yeah. Something new also. I'd love to read something else that she's working on that has nothing to do with Potter. As long as it's not the casual vacancy part two. (laughs) <laughs> what if this children's book turns into a whole new series and let's face it harry potter one at least two maybe even three they were children's books mm-hmm. and they became books for adults in my opinion jk rowling cannot help expanding things you know the play is one then it's two fantastic beast is three then it's five <laughs> deathly hollows the film is one and then it's two it's like I, she can't help herself and it's great for fans yeah, it is uh, and the one thing i would just caution against too and and i know we've definitely talked about this is and it's hard but we should never hold anything that she works on post potter to the potter series like right it is never going to happen again probably in our lifetimes where you have something that is as successful and as impactful in the world of literature as that series and we are just all really fortunate to be able to enjoy and to ride that wave. So Fantastic Beasts, Cursed Child, video games, TV shows, all that, right? Mm -hmm. Let's just realize that it is not going to live up to our expectations probably because our expectations have been set so high and we should just be comfortable with with it being, let's say, great as opposed to it being exceptional. And I really feel strongly about that. Yeah. And I think that we need to be thankful for getting to live through a cultural phenomenon, you know, and accept that, like Micah said, that is a once in a lifetime opportunity. And, you know, we can't put that kind of burden on JK Rowling to be like, you must create the next Harry Potter. (laughs) Like, it's just, it's too much. Definitely. That said, I think she could do something that's pretty close to it. Oh, I agree. In terms of detail and how it captivates us. I know. totally agree. What what I'm nervous about, just seeing sort of like where the fandom has gone, especially online in the last couple of years, I don't want us to go like the toxic fandom Star Wars route. Mm, yeah, yeah. That really kind of frightens me to be honest with you because that's not it's not reflective of the foundation of this fandom we may already be there though i know 
like we're teetering. I, just, I feel I feel like like Star Wars, it's it's so well established and has had so long to breed that toxicity that I'm like, maybe we still have time to turn it around. <laughs> <laughs> I think we do. I think we do. So in bonus MuggleCast today, we will discuss the things we are absolutely sure will not happen in the next decade. And then in 2029, we can play those back as well to see how right or wrong we were. That'll be available at patreon.com slash MuggleCast. In exchange for supporting us, you get cool benefits like bonus MuggleCast. You can tune into our live streams. Thanks to everybody who sat down with us on this Saturday morning for three hours as we recorded two episodes back to back. You will also get your name on our thank you page on MuggleCast.com, access to show notes, and a whole lot more. Patreon.com slash MuggleCast. Join our community today. If you want to get in touch with us about anything we have discussed today, head over to MuggleCast.com and use the contact form at the top of the site. You can also email us, MuggleCast at gmail.com. That is the same email address you can use to send us a voice memo so we can hear your thoughts. It's time now for Quizzage. Yes, remember, there was no question last week because <gasps> there was no time for people to answer it between recordings. But this week, there is a question. And since we're in between years and we were talking a lot about Cursed Child, here's an overarching Harry Potter question for you. What characters from the original Harry Potter series have also appeared in both Cursed Child and the Fantastic Beasts series? There's more than one characters, plural. Okay. Submit your Answer to us over on Twitter at ReplyMuggleGast and use hashtag Quizich. Speaking of social media, don't forget to follow us also on Facebook and Instagram. Username MuggleCast. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Another year gone. <laughs> <laughs> to my fellow MuggleCasters, congrats on another successful year of Harry Potter podcasting. Yeah. And to listeners, thank you so much for sticking with us for another year. Like we said last week, 2020 will be our 15th anniversary. We're really excited about that. So thank you for sticking with us after all this time. Yeah. And thanks to you guys for re-welcoming me to the show. Yeah, Laura joined us exactly a year ago, actually. Mm -hmm. So happy one year revival. (laughs) (laughs) Re-anniversary. Happy one year of being a weekly Harry Potter podcaster again. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Great. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun this past year. And really, it is all thanks to our listeners who support us via Patreon, uh, by listening and acting on the advertising, by following us, by downloading these episodes. So thank you, thank you, thank you. We truly could not do this without you. And it's one of the great joys of our lives to do this podcast, especially for so long. So on that note, thanks everybody again for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. I'm Micah. And I'm Laura. Goodbye. Happy New Year. Happy New Year.